Hi, welcome to Season 2 of the Silverline Podcast, an audio version of our video streams that we hold weekly. They're edited a little bit to make them a little more concise. My name is Roland Mann. I'm the head honcho at Silverline, and we have a great time making fun comics that we think that you'll enjoy. So thank you for listening, and maybe go check out some of our comics if you haven't already. Okay, it's not going live, so I'm going to go whiz, then I'm going to come back. <laughs> Sounds good. So it didn't like... The... Oh, oh, we're live now. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome I, I to Silverline Sunday. I, I was going to say, I just walked in and see that. See that so, so I'm going to run the bumper anyway, okay? Just right, because. We'll be, Here we go. We'll be right back, folks. <laughs> Okay, and welcome to Silver Sunday as we tried out our, our new opening sequence. Uh, so, yeah, that was what was so funny. It's like I tried to start early, so I scheduled it. You know, you, you guys know we're using StreamYard. So uh, so I tried to schedule it this time. I set it up. I said, okay, I'm going to schedule it and see how that works. Uh, and so I went to go live, and it said, you can't go live yet because your stream's not scheduled until 8.05. And I'm like, well... And it said, do you want to start anyway? And I said, yes. And then it's like, it didn't do anything. <laughs> Curtis, I said, hey, Curtis, I'll be right back. I'm going to step off in just a second, right? And I come back, and it was live. I'm like, no, wait, what? I'm going to show this. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Everybody got a nice view of me checking my emails just kind of methodically. So sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, somebody's using a Silverline account, and, and they said, Okay, too funny. I don't know who that is. That was me. Was that, that was you? I, I thought I was in the. Uh, I thought I was in the uh, the private chat talking to this, uh, <laughs> all sorts of hijinks today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at that! My father-in-law's already uh, saying. Uh, oh, where did it go? Hello, big dummy. He'll say here. There we go. <laughs> look at that. So, um, so yeah. So, welcome to Silver Sunday. Uh, you know, I know where some people are. I know where. Um, I know where Tommy is on vacation. <laughs> what the heck's a vacation um uh, roberta had uh business come up and pete is not feeling well so uh we hope you get the pete gets the feeling better mm-hmm. but i don't know where c is um who, who else uh who else did i tell you um i think it's just the three of us potentially yeah, well, i yeah i think so too i think it was just yeah. me you and c uh mm-hmm. john martin I uh, hadn't heard from John. Uh, I tagged Mike Belcher because he did send me uh, a message that said um, I might be. He said he might be able to start joining us again. So, um, so hopefully uh, he's been able to free up his schedule and uh, will be able to rejoin us. Whether that's on Sunday or Wednesday, I don't know, but hopefully he'll be able to rejoin us. Um, Anyway, welcome to Silver Sunday. I am your host tonight. I am Roland Mann. I am the chief cook and bottle washer at Silver Line Comics. Uh, and Curtis, tell them who you are. Sure, I'm Curtis Fujita. I'm the creative director at Silver Line Comics, and I'm also a uh, artist and a kung fu instructor. And so I'm combining both my passions, and I'm making a comic for Silver Line called Shadow Ghost. It's the kung fu comic by a kung fu master. Uh, and also, I'm the editor on Kalis, our uh, latest crowdfunding campaign. Kalis, awesome series by Brent Marson and the whole creative team there. So that's us. Right. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And by the way, uh, speaking of Kalis, uh, we are in the final. Uh, I don't have that open. So we are in the final 
hours, minutes, actually. I'm trying to, I can't, I can't talk and type at the same time. <laughs> so I'm trying to open up both campaigns to see. This is the first time we ever did a dual campaign. So we've got uh, Indiegogo. So we've got uh, the campaign going on Kickstarter, which is just blowing it out of the water. Uh, last time I, I looked, we, we had more than doubled our ask. Uh, and the last time I looked on uh, Indiegogo, we were still a little bit away from goal, but we're we're much closer. So oh, we're still, so we're four oh four on Indiegogo, which means we're ninety six dollars away from goal on Indiegogo, and we are twenty three sixty on uh, Kickstarter. We've got seventy one backers. We've got ninety eight minutes to go. So um, uh, Brent had some personal stuff come up, and we didn't get a chance to really talk about a whole lot of stretch goals, but. Uh, one of the things I was going to put down at twenty two fifty. Well, at first, when Brent and I were talking, of course, you know, we had the convention last weekend. I was like, well, maybe when we hit two thousand. Of course, we were like eighteen at the time, so maybe when we hit two thousand, we'll do this. And before I had a chance to do it, we were past two thousand, and so I've been thinking, okay, once we hit twenty two fifty, we'll do this. But we've already hit both of those, so I'm just going to include them. And uh, so what, what I wanted to do is, uh, oh, shoot, it's not in here anymore. Uh, you guys have seen the, the Silverline poster that we have. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to all physical backers. Uh, we are going to, uh, unfortunately, it's going to be folded, but we're going to fold that and put it in your package. And uh, everyone who has a, so, has a physical who gets a physical reward for, for Kalos, whether that be on uh, Indiegogo or on Kickstarter, uh, we are going to send you a Silverline poster. We want to see those on your walls. Uh, we want you to take a picture of it when you put it on your wall and go, see, look, Silverline on my wall. Um, so, yeah, so so we're going to uh, we're going to do that. Um, and so, so, yeah, I didn't get a chance to announce it, but you guys have been, everyone who's been back in the, and sharing, uh, the Kickstarter has been doing phenomenal. Like I said, we we're at 2360 with now 96 minutes to go. So um, fantastic. We, there's a possibility uh, with the next 96 minutes, we get to 2,500 and that would be very awesome. We have 71 backers. So I'm uh, really excited about that. And if, if I can, if I can chime in, you know, Kalis is, um, you know, is a great, great, great series. Um, it's really cool. It's our first thing on Indiegogo as far as the whole collected trade paperback. And if I were to give like an elevator pitch on what Kalis is, it's like Captain America Winter Soldier meets X-Files. No, um, that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's really, 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 really cool. Very, very different. Um, and I highly recommend it. My favorite part about editing it, I always say, is I got to read everything before anybody else. <laughs> First, <Okay>. yeah. That is one of the advantages um of being the editors you get to see things before everybody else does right uh all the way from concept to the artwork that's, that's one of the things i loved about uh, being an editor that in the offices at malibu uh you know it's kind of like when we got uh, when fedex uh when fedex would come in with the, the big dolly with all the artwork it was kind of like christmas you know he'd, he'd bring it in and of course you know we'd all open up the package oh look at that look at this artwork that i got look at the artwork that i got so um Bobby said, Bobby Weskovich says, you're on Facebook in Mississippi. What's up, Mississippi? My home state. Um, and and Tommy's home state as well. So And Quentin's whole home state. Qu although Quentin is, I think Quentin's in Texas now. Um, so it's the home state of a handful of, oh, and Stephen Butler's home state. So, um, so a, a handful of us. 
Um, yeah, so what else is going on with you, Curtis? Oh, a lot, actually. Um, about to make oh. some big announcements this coming week. Um, you didn't, you didn't, I, I thought I already saw them on Facebook. <laughs> We're like inch <laughs> by inch kind of, kind of, kind okay. of talking about it. But I will say that um, it has to do with a recording artist named Capitan Wallace, who does uh, has a martial arts theme to his music, and the Shadow Ghost comic book are going to be collaborating. So you can kind of put two and two together, but we're saying Tuesday. Tuesday, if you follow our social oh, media, we'll, we'll put the word out. So it'll be really Very cool, cool. Yeah. very cool. So we'll need to make sure that uh, uh, Tim and uh, the, the Tuesday folks uh, oh, get yeah. a hold of that so they can they can debut it, premiere it on the uh, on the that Civil Line show on Tuesday. So Definitely. very cool. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I can't, uh, I can't wait to uh, hear and see uh, yes. more uh, about it. So that's that's uh, pretty exciting. Um, and and you know, Curtis, uh, I, I don't know that you hear me when I do it, but I quote you all the time now. Like as as <laughs> as, as Curtis says, "Rising tide lifts all boats." Yes. Uh, and I mentioned that uh, several times at uh, at the convention, um, at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention, which we want to make sure we shout out and say thank you to Daytona Beach Comic con uh our sponsors one of our sponsors uh we appreciate daytona beach comic con very much um there were nine of us there were nine silver liners at daytona beach comic con this last and i i, I told pj my wife pj said i think i'm gonna put a little video together uh that has the pictures that we had the daytona beach comic con exclusive covers and we did a couple of lives i, I know that i i always when it's over I always think, man, I should have gone live a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I get so wrapped up in the show and, and you know, talking to, to, to fans that are coming by and then talking to others there at the show. I don't always uh, I don't always remember or think about going live. So um, uh, anyway, so uh, so I should have done more. Uh, Bobby Westgood says, yep, I put you all all the time. Well, thank you. Uh, he didn't call me. Yeah, he did call me big dummy. I was gonna say I didn't call him screw loose, but he he did call me big dummy here. <laughs> Roberto. So now Roberto came out to Daytona Beach Comic Con and got uh, all kinds of cool pictures. Probably Roberto, if you're still still there listening, um, do I have your permission to include the pictures that you took and posted to Facebook on a little a little something I'm gonna do? I can't. All I really want to do, I think, is just put together a little video. That just uh, that has pictures and and uh, the live video that we did to kind of like say, hey, here is Daytona Beach Comic Con. Here's what Silverline did. Here's our pictures. Here's some of the people we met. Um, here's some of the lives that we did, and then just go uh, go from there. So, um, so Roberto, let me know if you are okay with that. So Roberto is a um, certainly is a a, uh, a supporter of Silverline, and we appreciate. Uh, appreciate Roberto and his son uh, Uni is um, is working on his own comics as well. Uh, mm-hmm. He has he is he's worked hard. Uh, I I guess I've been talking to him. Roberto was it since he's about fourteen. I think he's seventeen now. Thank you, sir. Uh, he says that uh, he says of course, my friend, you can use it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, he was. Uh, uh, I think it's about I think it was about 14 when I first started talking to him, and he just got all of these uh, all these ideas. He's, he he told me the other day he's got I think a 12 issue arc planned out, and uh, so that's exciting to see. It's exciting to hear 
and watch him kind of go from, you know, from just being 14 and just kind of talking about it to, to now he's, you know, he's, he's getting pretty close to getting stuff done. So that's, uh, that's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting to see. I got a spot on my camera. I can't tell if that's on my, my computer. You see the spot. Let's rally right there, Curtis. Right here. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do. I I do see it. Yes. That that might be on my camera. camera. Let me be on the camera. Yeah. Let me see if I can I can clean that here. Oh, uh, oh excuse me. Oh, uh, it's not going away. <laughs> I don't know. And and ever everybody listened to the audio recording of this later is like, yeah, what are they doing? <laughs> for, your, for your for your information, I'll narrate as Roland yeah. gently wipes the, <laughs> the lens, trying to remove a spot which I don't seem to be able to remove. What the heck? Where is that? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I just got a little spot there. You, you ever see those old, I, I used to love to see like the old Green Hornet radio shows and stuff like that. And it was great because they would tell you what they're doing while they're doing it. They say, Green Hornet's like, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. I know. And the, guy, the guy would go, oh, you hit me in the mouth. Now I'm going to kick you in the groin. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, this, this cup of coffee that you've made me taste really well. Oh, no, I spilled it down my front. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Things are great. Yeah, I have to figure out what that is. That reminds me a little bit. You remember that um, that commercial that uh, I think it was sort of like for a detergent, mm-hmm. and uh, they had a guy in an interview, and he had a spot mm-hmm. on his shirt, and mm-hmm. the guy doing the interviewing was just staring at the spot. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and, and and the little spot started talking. <laughs> the, guy, the, the guy who was trying to talk, he would talk, and the spot would go. <laughs> it was really funny because you're like, he was so distracting. Like you, you, you couldn't look at him. You were looking at the spot. I forget yeah. what it. Uh, you, you ever have that with somebody who's cockeyed? I, I know it's horrible to say, but if somebody's cockeyed, I just naturally my eyes kind of. <laughs> yeah, you're like. Oh. <laughs> like, do, do we, yeah. and, and of course, you know, like. Do, which I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, and then, and, and do you ever want to kind of like move over so that you can feel the vision? Okay. Yeah. It's like, are you, are you looking at me? I'll, I'll shift over just a little bit so you can see me. <laughs> uh, Roberto says, my son is curious about Curtis with the whole mm. martial arts background and how it reflect in his upcoming book. Oh, well, that is very cool. We just happen to have Curtis here who yes, can answer some of that. So, uh, Curtis, talk a little bit. You know, actually, it, it, and we will get to creator rights for those of you who are like, yeah, I came to, I came to hear about creator rights. Um, so talk a little bit about, uh, first, mm-hmm. you know, for those who don't know, what is it, what is a Sifu? Um, what, uh, what style do you have? What do you do? And then how are you going to use that in, in the comic? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely, Roberto. So, um, yeah. So, um, the term sifu is the term for instructor in Chinese martial arts, or specifically like kung fu, which is what I what I do. Um, in kung fu, oftentimes that's considered like a style, but actually, kung fu is just a broad term for um, hundreds of different Chinese martial arts styles. So, specifically, the kung fu styles I do are uh, hong ga right? The Hong clan style. I do some of what's called the Northern praying mantis where you see the gesture like this. Um, I also do some, a style called Doga, which is a rare style and Tai Chi and, and a little bit of other stuff, but those are my core things. Honga, if you want to talk about in pop culture, where it's most well-known is if you've seen Avatar, uh, the last airbender, the earth bending style 
is based on the movements of the Honga system that I do. Oh, that's so, pretty cool. Yeah. So, so when we see you doing this, it's mm-hmm. not you're you're not you're not talking about gang symbols. <laughs> you're mad and you're about to, you're about yeah. to go down on us, right? Yeah, exactly. In fact, in fact, if, if you want a little bit of quick kung fu knowledge, it's interesting. You see us bow sometimes this way or this way, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like it's in some ways it's like a gang sign, but what it means is is when you hear about the legendary Shaolin Temple being burnt down, right? You know, there were five ancestors or five masters that fled the burning of the temple and went into hiding. And they spread their Kung Fu from the, the, the temple to the public. And so there became a symbol. And the symbol was saying that between there's in China, there's four seas and five lakes. So the saying is when the four seas and the five lakes come together, all men are brothers. So when I make a fist, this represents the four seas. Ah, this represents the, the five legs. And when I put them together, either this way or this way, or I fold them together, I'm showing that everybody's unified to take over the back the country from the, the tyrannical Manchurians that had taken over the country at the time. So, wow. so that, this is the symbolism and it's like a gang symbol. So, and each style has their own, their own gesture. So if you were mm-hmm. about to duel somebody, they would throw up their gesture saying, I represent this system and I'm going to fight you. And if somebody did the same hand gesture, you go, oh, we're we're like cousins. We're brothers. Yeah, we shouldn't fight. You know? Ah, yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. So so how are you going to incorporate all this in mm-hmm. uh, into the comic book then? Oh, all over all over the place. But um, like specifically, of course, like the fight scenes mm-hmm. will 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 be um, you know, authentic kung fu techniques. There'll also be explanations of kung fu culture and terminology, and also even um visually the way the panels are laid out are a little bit more conservative, um, more kind of along the lines of kind of classical, like Watchmen and things like that with the, with a smaller panel structure so that you can see the context of move to move to move. Um, so that's kind of the, the main way that I'm going to depict um, how it's seen in the comic book. So you guys Very cool. Yes. So, so would it be, would it be fair to say that, that there's probably, unless you know, mm-hmm. um, there's probably going to be things uh, in the comic that, the average comic book reader won't pick up. The, yeah, they'll be. I mean, fair to say. Yeah, I'd say there's things for the for the people who are really well versed in it to kind of go. Oh, but then there'll also be little asides. Like I used to love um, in comic books where you have the editor's notes and it would say, you know, this, you know, give a little bit of uh, extra information. So you'll see things in it where it'll say, like the person will see a terminology in the bottom. It'll say, okay, well, this is what this term means, or this is where this technique originates. Things like that. So there'll be kind of a little bit of asides that'll help everybody. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of cool, and and, and um, like now, the uh, will you throw will you throw any extras in? Like, here's this move. This is mm-hmm. the move that you talked about. If, if will there be anything like that? Sure, sure. There'll okay. be. Um, we won't. I won't spill the beans just yet. But there'll be some multimedia element to it. Sweet. And and, um, and so you will you will learn about. Kung Fu, not just like terminology, but you'll learn about specific techniques and styles yeah, and yeah. things like that. And the character's development will go from a novice Kung Fu person to a master as you read the series and you'll see the techniques reflect that. So that's very, that's very cool. That's yeah. very cool. And of course, there's always going to be, uh, there'll be ways to connect and links to you and, and your school as well. So hopefully <laughs> as people will see this, uh, they'll they'll be interested in it and say, "Hey, I want to learn how to do kung fu from a kung fu master," and they will be able to to come to you as as a kung fu master. And for those of you who don't 
who don't know Curtis, and if you're thinking about it, so one of the things uh, I, I'll let me let me let me toot his horn just a little bit. That's a lovely mug you have there. Sir. Oh my gosh, this this mug here <laughs> from Zazzle.com on the Silverline merch store. This is a brief commercial break, people. So um, and we got the mouse from Cat and Mouse, illustrated by Dean Zachary, and the Silverline logo. Right here on Zazzle. Sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I just have to see you pick it up. And like, <laughs> um, <laughs> she's laughing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Cassisi. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Yeah. What's up, Cassisi? Um, so one of the things that uh, one of the things that I, I think is very cool is that, uh, I, of course, a lot of this is kind of come about as a result of uh of covid and the quarantines and things like that and and we won't get into to, to all of that uh, those particulars but i think i was talking with bj today and i was like one of the things i think that we've learned from this is that a lot of us have jobs that we can actually do at home <laughs> it's yeah. like i don't have to be i don't have to go now now there, obviously there's some that you you can't really be a a, a cashier or a clerk and do that work from home. Of course, you know, a lot of places are replacing with computers, but that's beside the point. Um, but, you know, one of the things that uh, that you were able to do is you were able to, to take your, your school and uh, and I don't know if translate is the right word, but uh, translate it onto into online classes. And so you've been able to open up You're you're in the in the Los Angeles area. And so before, if I wanted to 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 take martial arts from you from as a master, I had to be in, in Los Angeles. I had to be able to, to go there. Right. But now I can take classes from you virtually. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, I'm in L.A., but I have students in Texas and Nevada and all over the place. And that's that's kind of the kind of the fun thing. And then we have a rerun. So all our classes are recorded. So even if you can't make the live class, you can go ahead and watch like a, a library of classes. So it's like having an exercise program every week. There's multiple new episodes. That's yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Now, do they get, uh, uh, so as a teacher, I have to ask this, right. Yeah. Uh, do, are, are they graded? Um, do you, you know, like, so it's like, for instance, in my class, students do the work. Sure. I have to, you know, I review it. I read it. I, I, I you know, I, I have a rubric that, you know, I, I assign them a grade then. Yeah. Uh, and I give them comments uh, as to what they, what they do, what they do well and what they, what they don't do so well. Uh, do you have uh, something like that? Is there are they graded or are they are, are they evaluated at all? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we it's you know commonly right. You'll hear about like a belt system or things mm -hmm. like that, um, which is actually a fairly modern convention that starts from the 1950s and onwards. So if you always and, wonder and, what, mm -hmm. and I, I would love for you to talk a minute about that because yeah. for, for for me, when you mentioned that, I'm like, what? That's that's <laughs> Americans made that up. We did that, yeah. you know. <laughs> Uh, so I, I would love for you to talk about that yeah. just a little bit because sure. I, I I would guess, and this is only a guess, I would guess that ninety five percent of the people who know about mar or let me just let me rephrase it ninety five percent of Americans who think of martial arts think of them as belts that sure. you have to get your white, your yellow, your black belt, right? The black belt's the one that's the guy you got to be afraid of, yeah, right, yeah. But that's it's not a that's not a thing, right? It's not not traditionally a thing, um, okay. but it, and 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 if you if you need to look at it, you look no further than you watch the old movies that take place in ancient times. You'll never see a Shaolin Temple movie where the student has like a belt test and where they're graded and they get a different colored belt because it it, it actually started starting in Japan um, with the founder oh. of what's called Shotokan Karate and Shotokan Karate, I believe, is what our other Silver Line um, artist creator Dean Zachary mm. does. 
and, and Shirokan Karate was being done in the Japanese college system. And so um, I think it's Funakoshi, who was the, the, the sensei, was trying to figure out how could he grade everybody, but also how could he show up at a different university and look out across the immense expanse of their gymnasium and know what part of the curriculum everybody was at. So he developed the belt system based on the idea that in the old days, the belt would start white. And as you exercise, it would get dirtier and dirtier and eventually get darker and darker and darker. Oh, I did yeah. not realize that. Yeah. And then, and then in modern times, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's definitely, a, it's definitely a very kind of um, scholastic way of, of grading people. Um, but it also, it's also very, it's also sometimes used very to great effect um, to make money because you charge in a commercial school at each time that you get your next rank. And some people go one step further and they'll put stripes on the belt. So you may have five belts and they may be able to cut this many fees from the person. But if you put a black, a white belt with a white stripe, that's one fee. A white belt with two stripes, that's three fees. So you kind of juice it out a little bit more. Yeah. But again, there's nothing nothing wrong with it. It, it, it. You know, as long as the person's learning the art well, and, right, and 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 they're they're earning that. That's fine. But the way that I learned was extremely classical, which is um, there is no belts. You just learn the curriculum. There's a set curriculum from A to Z, and you learn it. But there's no in financial incentive for the teacher to push you along further, and you judge yourself based uh, solely on your own understanding of the ability and your teacher's understanding of your progress. So it's much more like a classical musician, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that cool. that's really kind of the main idea, but it's it's rarely done nowadays. And I was I was surprised. I had the the grandmaster of what's called the Eagle Claw style, uh, from she's originally from Hong Kong, but she lives in the states now. And she came to visit my school, and she was asking me. She said, "Well, what about your school?" She goes, she was trying to figure out how my business is. So she said, "How much money do you charge? How many students?" And she said, "How much do you charge per belts?" And I told her, I said, "Well, I don't charge for belts." She said, "So you just give the belts away?" I said, "Well, no, I have no belts." And this woman in her 80s or so almost fell backwards. And she says, are you crazy? She goes, it's not like when we were in Hong Kong and kids. She goes, you're an American. Act American. So it was, it was funny. It was, it was, make some money. Yes, yeah, make some money, you know. So, you know. But, but um, the way I always say it is I, I enjoy that type of method. It's not for everybody. But yeah. um, I've often been told, hey, you should do it to get more money. But I'm always of the mindset, if it's just about money, I can go sell cars or I can do something different. Yeah. I don't need to change what I do and how much I yeah. love it solely for money. There's other ways to make money. So, you know, it's so funny you say that because this is a great segue. Uh, because people often will, or I will often say this about uh, comic books is that mm-hmm. if you're into comic books to make money, mm-hmm. there are probably other things you can do um that will make you far more money than comic books will ever make you right (laughs) it's like there's so many things uh there's so many things you don't uh let's see here stephen brown says hey says you don't have youtube open Hmm. is Hmm. that the case what do you mean youtube open uh i'm looking at it on youtube right now so do you mean as far as comments let me see if I've done something wrong. Uh, since you are live, um, yeah, it looks like it looks like the video is live. I do see. Yeah, that. yeah. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what you mean there, uh, Stephen, because uh, I see it live. So I think uh, I think we're okay. Um, well, well, I'm going to use this uh, this part, Curtis, to segue mm-hmm. into our, our our next section. Sure, so. Please. 
you're doing Shadow Ghost. You're working on Shadow Ghost, which, uh, which, uh, for all intents and purposes, we we are planning to bring in early 22. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Stephen says it's still waiting. Let me, uh, let me. I, I think Stephen maybe pop back out and look at a different channel. Let me see if I can. Uh, here's the channel that I have for the link that I have. Did that just go to Twitch? Oh no, I went to all of them. Uh, you can try that one uh, for uh, YouTube. Jackson Rennick says comment test. So he's he's uh, on uh, YouTube. So he's uh, okay. He says now he says it works. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jackson. <laughs> I think Jackson just did some IT work for us. So thank you. Yes, that is right. He got in there and Jackson went in there and killed all the bugs. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so um. Okay, so your comic is called uh, Shadow Ghost, mm-hmm. and uh, I've said it before, and I love your I love your your tagline, your pitch for this. It's a, a, a kung fu a kung fu comic by a kung fu master. Um, you own this. You created this. You own this. It is yours. It is Curtis Fujita's. That's your property, right? You can do with it as you please. Mm-hmm. Now we might get a little bit into into the news. I'm gonna have to Google it here so I can kind of bring some of, some of the stuff up. But uh, why, Curtis, uh, are you doing Shadow Ghost instead of busting your hump to do something like, oh, let's just say, Chang, uh, 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 shoot, uh, Shang Chi. <laughs> thank you. I'm like, I just uh, what I was, trying, I was trying to say, Shang Chang Chi. That yeah, yeah Shang Chi. Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Well, I think I think you know I think a lot of it goes back to when I first got into the industry, and that was with with working with Roland specifically was during the uh, the mid uh, early to mid nineties, and the whole shift that started to happen, the whole paradigm shift with Image Comics and everything like that, and that was that idea of owning your own property that that. One, you have your own creative control. You don't have to hand it over to somebody else. I mean, there's some amazing characters in the history of comic books, but there's always a certain season for a certain team. Mm. And and then it moves on to a different team, um, sometimes willingly, sometimes not so willingly, <laughs> right. um, in varying degrees of everything in between. Um, right. and, and, and to be frank, and, and I, I would think Roland would agree, you know, the, the amount of effort and work that people put into these characters is phenomenal to the point where and has so much impact that people and companies are still getting a lot of um a lot of gas out of it financially mm. and the creators not so much i mean you have to look no further than superman and originally what happened to you know jerry siegel and joe schuster to really kind of get an idea so the idea of you investing in yourself and coming up with your own property that you control and you have um financial ability to kind of leverage uh, i think is is very attractive you know and if it's your character nobody has to say well spider-man wouldn't do that superman wouldn't do that you know um so i think that's really that's the biggest thing is is i'm a big proponent as the years go by and and i love saying this is i bet on myself yeah yeah is is, is i have to bet on myself or nobody else will um so that's kind of my that's kind of the reason why but i don't know what your thoughts are because you 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 came into this whole thing at the dawn of the first dawn of the independent <laughs> comic books kind of boom, you know? Well, so, and, 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 and for maybe slightly different reasons. So, uh, so, but, I, but before we get to me, let me ask you though, you, you said, um, uh, you said something to the effect as you've 
entered into this new phase of your life, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're less interested in, in doing that. You're more interested in Shadow Ghost. Um, yeah. Do you think this is, uh, generally speaking, mm-hmm. do you think this is something that as creators age, they think more of, let me create this for me. Let yeah. me create this because this is something that I want to do. I, I agree. I mean, definitely. I mean, definitely because, I mean, on a business side, you know, there's the, there's the, there's the potential financial incentives, but you know, I'm 44 now. Right. So, mm-hmm. so at this age, I've lived a bit and I have a story to tell, you know, there's, I, I can definitely feel that there's a lot more that I want to say nowadays. And I have a lot more to say with my life experience than I did when I was in my early twenties or, or, or teens or whatever. So I think it's, it's that combination of having something creative and something to say and a message I want to say that I feel is, is somewhat singular to, to how I'm going to depict it in comic books, but something that's relatable to everybody. And then there's also the business side is um, I'm investing in myself. And, and, and I always feel as the years pass, and I don't think, I think I may have said this to Roland, I feel like when you're younger, you write your life story in pencil. And what I mean by that is you write your life story. <laughs> you have an eraser, you screw right. up, you make a mistake, you can go back and erase. And as you get older, you start to write your life story in ink, meaning you can't go back and erase anymore. And then as you get to the further end of it, you look at it and you realize there's only so much ink left in the pen. And so you really got to be very decisive about everything that you write, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. nobody else yeah. is going to write it for you, nor nor should anybody else write it. Which, which is funny because, not funny actually, but that's that's a that's a fantastic comic analogy, right? Because yeah. You, you, yeah. you first pencil, right? Mm-hmm. When you do comics, you pencil it and then you ink it. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, so... Um, so I think that's fantastic. Curtis. So, so for me, I, I came into it, um, into creator comics. That's the way I got into the industry, but it wouldn't have been my choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, part, part of the way I got into it is because, uh, I couldn't get work, uh, for, um, uh, from Marvel and DC, right. I tried, mm-hmm. uh, I was submitting work to them. I, and, and of course, keep in mind, this was the eighties, right? So, um, so I got in, thank you. Thank you. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I broke in, <laughs> um, right, uh, on the, the, the black and white boom, right? So the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles published in 1986, uh, a, a big boom of black and white or independent comics, however you want to say it. And so there were a lot of independents got their start at that point in time. Well, you know, I met Stephen Butler and Mitch Bird uh, about that time. And, and Stephen, uh, Stephen in particular, Stephen and I shared a lot of uh, similar goals. We both wanted to, to well, we were Marvel zombies uh, and we both wanted to, to, to work for Marvel. And so we swapped notes. It's like, hey, look, look at all my rejection letters. Hey, look at all my rejection <laughs> letters. You think that's a lot, right? And he shared some great, uh, he, he, uh, uh, he had some responses, some personal responses to his artwork. Uh, and it's funny because, um, uh, oh shoot! Who's the guy? Uh, uh, Roger McKenzie. Roger McKenzie uh, actually made notes on some of his art one time, and he was sharing those with me. And they're, they're just funny what he was saying, right? Uh, I look back at it now, and I'm like, dude, you should have hired Stephen. You were nuts not to hire Stephen, right? Yeah. Uh, and Stephen mentioned those to him at one point in time, and, and Roger says he had no recollection, no memory of it whatsoever. But Stephen's like, yeah, and of course I'm like, yeah, I remember. I remember you showing them to me, right? Um, 
so 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 for us it was that we could not get into marvel and dc because you know i mean we're in mississippi we weren't local to marvel and dc which you know in retrospect we found out that that's how a lot of the the creators made it into marvel and dc is that they just walked up to the offices and got to meet them right yeah. and and you know so much of any kind of business but so much of this business is about um uh, context it's, it's uh, about networking right um and so thanks to the turtles and the boom we were like uh we just kind of looked at each other and we're like we'll just do our own comic right we'll just we'll just do that and so literally that's what we did we're like okay well we want to work in comics we can't go work for marvel dc let's just make our own comic up and so we did that and that's kind of that you know again it's thanks to the turtles i i I don't uh you know i don't uh uh, i always you know make sure that people know no if, if it hadn't been for the turtles we probably wouldn't have had that boom and so i'm always thankful that the uh that the turtles existed because I'm, you know, I, I, it led me, it led to the boom led led me to the comics. And of course, then I got to, to, you know, go to Malibu and meet you and that kind of, and sure. that kind of thing. So, so, um, so it was, for me, it was, it was a way in, but my goal was something else. My goal was not to do creator comics. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Formani says, Hey guys, so sorry. Mm-hmm. I couldn't join it. Uh, y'all tonight. Uh, me too, Tommy. Uh, we're going to talk about you. I'm not sure what we'll say. <laughs> But we'll talk about you. All the best things. That's right. Uh, and John Mart says, "Check your messages, dude. I'm I'm in a stream. I'm gonna go <laughs> check my messages." <laughs> uh, oh, it's just, it's uh, uh, well, if you want to, if you want to take a minute to look at that, I can kind of just talk a little bit more about uh, creative, create our own stuff. Um, you know, um, yeah. I- yeah. So, so uh, do you know enough about the kind of the news this week to kind of encapsulate a little bit? Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, so um, go ahead. I, I, yeah, sure. I'll take messages, John. Yeah. yeah. While Curtis encapsulates the, uh, the news. <laughs> so I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll kind of give my my overview of it, and, and you know, uh, chat. Feel free to chime in if you know more. And and Roland, of course, if you over, you know anything. So, um, as I understand it, the a lot of it is, um. Marvel is getting in a legal situation with the families of the creators of several uh, Marvel comic book characters. And essentially the deal is, is there's something going on where I believe the copyright, there's a certain time window where it's going to close and some of the rights uh, should revert back to the creators, or in this case, the inheritors of the uh, creator's family. So that's essentially what's going down is there's, I believe, a lawsuit going And the idea would be that these families would not only get some financial um, payments from all the licensing for movies like Spider-Man and things like that, but as I also understand it, um, they they also may be able to reestablish some creative control over how these characters are depicted. And so that's kind of the, the big thing that's going on right now is this impending or current lawsuit. I don't know if that kind of is the rough of it or if anybody else has any thoughts yeah i think there are um i think there are two right so so um so so, so i I pulled up some news here this one's from uh comicbook.com uh and it says steve ditko don heck and other estates issue a statement regarding the marvel lawsuit now um now marvel is owned by disney now if you if you know anything at all about copyright law uh, you know that the copyright law has changed 
just in in my lifetime, right? Or since I've been paying attention, the copyright laws changed, changed twice. Uh, and, Disney, and Disney was a front runner on that. Well, that's that. You, you, that's, you beat me to it. That's that's why it changed because the reason is uh, the rights to Mickey Mouse were about to expire, and so Disney said, "Hey, wait! Shouldn't we change the law?" Shouldn't the law be something different? Oh, you don't think it should? Okay, here's money. Now, do you think it should be different? Oh, yeah, we thought so too. <laughs> and, and so, so the laws changed, right? The laws changed um, uh, at, at, primarily at the the as John says, as a front runner. Uh, and, and and for those of you who've been here, like, hey, what what's that voice? John John uh, Martin has just uh, joined us. Thank you, John. Glad you could join hey, in, John. Um, and so, so yeah, that's what's, uh, that's kind of what's going on is that, uh, it looks to me like they're at it again. They're, they're going to try to change the copyright law so that they can keep the rights to some of these characters that should be reverting, uh, either to their original creators or to public domain. I mean, when you think about it, Captain America was created in 1941. He should have okay, been public domain. Should have been public domain. So, um, same thing with Spidey. Yeah. Uh, well, now Spidey, I, Spidey actually probably has some time, right? Uh, no, Spidey Bra- should have been public domain a few no, I don't, years ago, actually. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. Check that out. Spider, yeah, Spider Man didn't come around until 63, dude. Yeah, that's that's not none of that stuff is in public domain yet. We're, st- we're still in the we're still in the 40s as far as public public domain stuff goes. Um, Stephen Brown says, I thought that was part of the reason why, uh, there was an, okay. No, I think, I I, I think part of a reason for an issue for, for the Steve Ditko thing. No, because for the whole reason why they just couldn't do Spider-Man in their movies, even though they had that besides the licensure thing with, Oh no, that's all about licensing. Yeah. Um, Stephen Brown says, yeah, they didn't want to lose Mickey. Um, Steven, looks like you've got a new uh, new logo there. Uh, I'm going to make the assumption Ooh. that uh, this is your comic, and so uh, I'm I'm hoping that we can. I can't read the bottom word there, but it looks it says, like Red Raven. I think it says Red Raven Illustration. So this might be Steven's oh. studio, maybe. Okay, cool. And Wubba Fat says, "Hola, Wubba, love to have you on here, man." <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he says most copyright laws have been driven by Disney. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Especially when um, when it comes to uh, changing the laws, right? Um, it's just because, as uh, Stephen said earlier, they don't want to lose Mickey, right? Um, Curtis, you probably remember this. You remember in 90, 80, maybe 89 or 90, maybe, maybe even 88. Mm. Um Remember when Malibu published the uncensored mouse? I knew of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was <laughs> every year at Comic Con. I think Dave Olbrich does. Um, Dave Olbrich, the former publisher of Malibu, yeah, I think does some panel related to that. Really? Yeah, I to think the, so. The... <laughs> I think so. so but, yeah. Yeah, that that they that was done before uh, before I, I got out there, okay. um, and but I but I know a little bit of the story. The the mm-hmm. scuttlebutt that I remember hearing is that, um, careful, you'll sound like you're in the navy. <laughs> <laughs> is it well? The, the idea was that all the stuff that they did legally was public domain, mm-hmm. right? 
So they just collected that that content and that material. Some of which, of course, was you know a, a, a little uh, a little risque, um, yeah. and they just published it as the uncensored mouse. Well, of course, Disney was like, "Whoa, no, 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 you can't do that!" And they're like, "Hey, public domain." And Disney's like, "Hey, multi million dollars." <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, with what they did, the mouse is back up for transitioning for public domain in 2023 2023 yeah so see this i'm gonna guess that this is this probably ties into the lawsuit uh that disney is now i actually uh, have a list of everything that should have been public domain already if it wasn't for disney yeah that that includes uh what snow white winnie the pooh of course the mouse uh bugs bunny buck rogers would be public domain if it wasn't for disney what about Donald uh, Duck? Superman, Batman. Yeah. Uh, I know. Uh, of course, you said Cap. Yeah. All right, I think. I think. Probably okay, so I was wrong on the Spider-Man thing, but I don't think he had very many more years until Disney did that thing in '98. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and the only reason I knew that dude is just because. Uh, so so we're we're still we're talking about the characters that were created in the late '30s and, and 1940s, right? So. Uh, so these are still this is still part of what we're looking at as far as the public domain and, and, and what should be the public domain. So we've still got, you know, another at least another 10 years to go well, before you, we before we start getting into the new Marvel stuff. Fantastic Four, Spider-Man. Right. Mm-hmm. All of these things should be going. How public many years domain. was it supposed to be at first? You know, I can't remember what it was at first, but it's. It, at one point in time, now it's it was 95 70, years. It was 75 years after the death of the creator. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, so what would happen or, or no, at one point in time, it was like 75 years from from creation. Right. So you publish it. Boom. You got 75 years. The idea was like, you know, you should have time to make your money. Right. And so um, and so then they changed it to 75 years after the death of the creator, because they were like, you know, some of these properties don't get famous until the people die. And 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 their their progeny should be the ones that that profit from that and not some random corporations. And so this was this was part of the part of the agreement. Okay, it's like okay, well now it's not you could publish something when you're 20 and you can live another you know 60 years and then what that copyright still belongs to you and then you still get to to keep it for another 75 years. Um, and 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 I don't know what it is now exactly. Um, it's ninety five years now. Ninety five years. Okay. <laughs> I, I, is it ninety five years from the death of the creator? It just says ninety five years. Period. Hmm. Okay. Which, uh, uh, if you go from like Mickey Mouse is supposed to be twenty twenty three. So. Okay, so Stephen Steve Brown says uh, it's not his comic book. He says uh, it was something he was trying out a while ago. Uh, Alex Saravia says, what? "Hey guys, what's up, Alex? Yeah, Alex. We got to get we got to get Alex on here too. Alex, uh, I've asked him multiple times, um, and he's just like, uh, I, I, for those of you who don't know, uh, Alex is uh, from Mexico. He, I, Alex, of course, is our artist, uh, our penciler for uh, Divinity." Alex is from uh, Mexico, and English is not his first language. English is his second language. So um, that's okay. Alex would still love to get you on. Well, and now, um, Alex, even uh, here's a thought too. Alex, if you want to come on, 
you can talk, but minimally if you want, and you can always do drawing and, and, and kind of show that's people your process. Right. Because that's yes. international language is art. So that's you, right. You art is the international language. Right. So there you go. Either way. Right, so there you go, Alex. 1928 is 95 years from 2023. And that's roundabout when the mouse came out, right? Uh, mouse was, yeah, early. Uh, 1928. Early, 1928. I think so. I think that's when Steamboat Willie came out. Yeah. So that's exactly 95 years. All right, it, the the original copyright law was actually fourteen years. <laughs> wow, really? Fourteen in nineteen seventy, wow. it was. I mean, it's excuse kidding. me, in seventeen ninety, it was fourteen wow. years. Wow, wow, boy! Wow. You better make your money fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, people. Well, you know, they didn't live as long back then. then. <laughs> yeah, a lot lifespan, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why, you know, it's funny you were talking about the films. I had heard that somebody commented, I think this is true, they said, you notice that Marvel is transitioning a whole bunch of the characters to the second generation iterations of Hawkeye, of Iron Man with, you know, like in other words, um, Kate Bishop, Riri Williams, uh -huh. all that, specifically because the timeline will be closing on the copyrights of those characters. So this is kind of future-proofing them for films. Yeah, which I, I thought was an interesting uh, thought. Could be. That that is that is interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know though. So and I think here's so here's where some of the um, here's where some of the things get uh, questionable, right? So um, I know that the DC has uh, what what they call participation contracts, right? But uh, if you create, if you just say you go to the Marvel and the, the, I realize these things probably already exist. I, I'm in DC, right? And so you're you're working on on Batman, and you create Bat Dog, right? It's a derivative pro, it's a derivative creation, so you don't get creator rights on that because Batman existed, and without Batman, you don't have Bat Dog, right? Uh, or Batmite, or Batgirl, or Batboy, or whatever, uh, because because it is a derivative idea of the original. It's not really an original concept, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so you can, like I say, I, th I think Catwoman, Catwoman is an original idea, but not Batgirl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so there's, there's things like that. So, but, but, you know, some of these comics have been going on for so long. You look at, uh, uh, uh Captain America, you look at, uh, uh, Superman and Batman. Imagine all those characters that were created by, the writers of those. I mean, I can just, as a Spider-Man fan, you know, I, I can think of, you know, dozens of secondary characters that were created just for the comic book, uh, just for the Spider-Man comic book. We're not created by Stan Lee. You know, they were created by the writer who was writing at that time. Definitely. And I always think, I always think too, as, as a creator and, 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 you know, Roland, you have so much um, experience. I, I would be curious what your thoughts on this are. But I always think you never know what's going to be the popular character, what's going to be the popular book, or what's yeah. going to hit. It could be this throwaway character that, you know, like when you look at the original appearance of Wolverine in, um, was it Incredible Hulk 180? 181. Yeah, 181. And, and, yeah. I, and it, yeah, and I think, yeah, so if you remember that, it was like he was kind of a more or less a throwaway character, right? He was, oh, yeah. He was like in the last panel of 180, and then the full the full issue of 181. But my gosh, look at what he became! So you never know. So I think that's why it's great to do your own creator own stuff because 
you know, if that random character hits, you know, you still have the rights to it, right? So yeah. So Infrafan says creators like Bill Finger deserve better than work for hire. Companies should reward cultural changes with a functioning system and not overdo and not overdue recognition to look better in the fans' eyes. And I think that's part of what what we're entering. And I think this is part anybody who knows me knows me knows that I am not a fan of corporations. Okay. Yeah. Um I could go on probably an entire you know, weeks podcast about that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I look back and part of me says, well, you know what, in the 1940s, this is the way things were done. There, there, there wasn't, um, there wasn't the idea of, of, you know, the creator's rights and these things like that. Right. So these guys, that's just the way things were. But then there's the other part of me that says, yeah, it is. And and we can't fault we can't fault Marvel and DC or Timely or whatever for um for doing things the way they did in the 40s. But what we can do is say, okay, look, you guys have made you, you own this stuff, and, and we get that you want to keep it because it brings in so much money. And you have made so much money off of it already. That's it. That's the thing, is like, look. You don't have to pay them billions, uh, pay them thousands because you've made so much. And and, and acknowledge the fact that, look, you guys created this. If it wasn't for this thing that you created, we wouldn't be making these these billions of dollars. So so here's an interesting number. Uh, And this is from uh, MSN.com talking about Disney Sue's Marvel creators family. It says over the past 13 years, Disney and Marvel have earned a staggering 22.93 22.93 billion dollars. So, you tell you you tell me the the people who created those those characters shouldn't they get some of that? Now, they're not going to none of them are going to expect a, a billion bucks, right? But something Def- definitely I mean I think I think it's it's I think at the same time, and this may not be popular opinion, but I, I, I also think, you know, do recognition that there are other creators that, that bring these things to prominence. There are marketing teams. There are all these other people that create and perpetuate this thing. But definitely the creators should be okay. I don't know if you ever heard, um, I heard Neil Adams give an interview and he was talking about, you know, God bless Neil Adams, not just as an artist, yeah. but as somebody for creator rights you know my my only encounter with neil adams in person i still remember was when i was working at malibu and i was i was a kid and i had a, a sketchbook and back then you could get lots of cool sketches from oh man from the yeah. artist you know and i actually went up to neil adams and i was like oh i'm a kid i got you know i got all these other people to do stuff so like could you do a drawing for me and, nope you know because, <laughs> because he's, he's a straight up businessman no, clean, you know? and, and i remember i remember the two people that were like nah i'll pass were, were gil kane and neil adams right but 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 um I still remember hearing Neil Adams talk about when he took the charge to get the rights for uh, to get things for uh, Jerry Siegel, Siegel and Joel Schuster for uh, Superman. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't know which of the two that he was talking to, but there was a Superman Broadway play, I guess, at the time. Oh, and yeah. He was, and it was really popular. And he was talking to him about it. He said, Did, he says, what do you think about, you know, the Broadway play? He goes, I'm so happy. And this, this, this. I heard it's great. And he said, what, you haven't seen it? And he said, no, I couldn't afford to buy a ticket. Right. And that is just heartbreaking. That 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 the, the the care for the creator. You couldn't even comp the guy a ticket to something yeah. based on his own thing. That's that's shameful. So you it know, is. And 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 to Neil Adams' credit, he took the charge and he he did. You know, he helped them out. I don't know. I think 
probably as much as he could at that time. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, uh, 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 there's a lot of folks who who don't realize, you know, I I know that um, uh, Jim Shooter gets a lot of flack in the industry and and I never had to work with Jim Shooter the way some of these creators did. So I I can only I can't speak to that. Um, I just know that I, I, I am a Jim Shooter fan. Uh, from from uh, just his the body of work that he has right I, I again I you know I hear you've you've heard all the stories uh, and so I can't speak to that so Wubba says they never thought about the future at the time they were creating them proof is proof of that is Kirby and Senate and Ditko just giving away just giving pages away to the pizza delivery guys that came into the office so mm-hmm. yeah you know it, it, and that's part of how the industry's changed and I think for for me part of it is yes we can't fault. Because it is the way it was, right? And we can't fault Marvel and DC for doing business that way back then. However, we can fault them for not being proactive, we can, for not fixing and, it and changing with the freaking times. Yes, and having and to be fought thing. tooth and nail for it. Yeah. If we're sitting right. here talking about how Disney is suing the families, which, by the way, is a completely bad idea. So. From, it's yeah. almost. I mean, you can if in other if it was a politician, it'd be political suicide. Yes. So, but Disney has gone after people for paintings on daycares. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's there. So 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 let let's backtrack just a little bit. All right. So this kind of started a little bit. Uh, and this is from how did this come up? The Jerusalem Post. Uh, Steve, Steve Ditko estate tries to regain Spider-Man, Doctor Strange copyrights. Uh, the notice of, of termination, both state they go into effect in June of 2023. So, um, so the estate of Steve Ditko, the legendary comic book creator behind some of the most iconic, iconic he's a filed to take back the copyrights of two of his most famous creations, the Marvel superheroes, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Um, the notices were filed by his heir, uh, Patrick Ditko, who is the administrator of his estate. Um, let's see here. As detailed on the website for the U.S. Copyright Office, go the both notices go back to both creators' first appearances in the pages of Marvel Comics. The notice for Doctor Strange, and then it has links for for, for these notices, right? Um, and so this this is what happened first, okay? And then Disney says, okay, we see what's going to happen, right? Um, so where's it at here? Disney is now suing, and this is from uh, MSN.com. So Disney is now suing the families of Stanley, Steve Ditko, Gene Colan, and other creators in a preemptive attempt to challenge copyright termination notices that, that have been or will be submitted by these creators' estates. So... Basically, the Steve Ditko estate uh, files his termination, right? Which which they can do, um, and so now which is Disney only is right because Disney of, is saying not getting any compensation wait, off of it, right? And they're, Disney is saying, wait, no, we want to we want to keep that, uh, and so others have uh, have have kind of joined in as well. Um, so this is kind of where some of this kind of originates from. Uh, Infrafan says, plus, I can't imagine working under those uh, circumstances would inspire creators to use their best ideas if they know there's a chance their creation can go off and leave them in the dust. Okay, and that's something that is a thank you, Infrafan, because that is a a great segue because this is one of the things that I wanted to talk about. So 
uh, and, and I don't want, I want us to be very careful because I don't want to go down this path too much. But uh, we've all, if not us here, we've heard the complaints about current Marvel and DC and the lack of good content from them, right? Would you agree that that's the, the case? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, so again, you know, you, you, you can say, well, you know, there's good stuff. I, I'm not going to make that argument, but in general, uh, it's, it's kind of um, the consensus that Marvel and DC don't create anything good anymore. And I would kind of argue that part of the reason they don't create anything good anymore is because they don't treat the creators right. Because here's the deal. If you get hired to go write Spider-Man, are you going to create something new for Spider-Man? Probably not. No, you're not. I'm surprised Donnie Cates did for Venom. What did he create? Uh, No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that is a surprise. Well, and... And also, I'm um, sorry to interrupt just to point out. Oh, no, no, right we, I think we missed one here. Just I'm going to throw it up there. I think okay. um, Stephen Brown just just chimed in earlier and said they shouldn't cheat the creators. Yeah. And, and I, I think I think I think what it, a lot of it boils down to is is it, it, it's there's a difference, unfortunately, in the world that we live in between what's morally ethical and what's legal, and 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 there and it's just a shame that there's that separation, right? Because I think. Yeah. The, lay person like myself would like to think that the law is there to hold up the ethics, but right. they're actually kind of two different things, especially in business, unfortunately. <laughs> so. On the other side of this, the other side of this industry that has kind of melded together, you know, the comics and TV and the movies, they've kind of begun to meld. On the other side of this, the guilds that on the TV and movie side, mm-hmm. they're on strike. Last I heard, well, the Yahtzee, the Yahtzee is looking into uh, going on strike, and the Writers Guild is going on strike. Right, really? because they're not because streaming was initially they weren't sure if they were going to make money off of it, so they were paying less than what they would for right. an active TV show. I, I do remember well, now that. It's very obvious that there's money to be made there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're like, okay, we need now to make our money, and they're like, oh no, we can't do that. Definitely. Yeah. And in 2007 was the first big writer strike in recent memory. And, and right. my, my wife was working in, in the film and TV industry and it, it, it destroyed so many people's careers, but yeah. they were fighting for that early version of the streaming, uh, you know, digital media. And if right. you wonder why there was a huge resurgence, a huge surge of reality TV around that time, it's because of the writer's guild strike. When the writers right. went on strike, they went to quote unquote unscripted TV, and that's why during for a couple of years we had nothing but uh, magnificent reality TV. We did get Doctor Horrible out of it, so that's true. <laughs> it's, it's almost like it, the the creators in the comic book industry need to do something like a almost like a similar style union. Oh, listen! They have tried. There's been multiple attempts to at the, and I think uh, Neil Neil Adams is one of the the chief guys to try to spearhead yeah. uh, a, a comic creators union at one time. But I, you know, now from my understanding, it's just not. And I think part of it is uh, part of the part of the reason that unions don't work is because there's too many people out there who, who want the work. And so if Neil Adams is working uh, on on you know Batman at DC and he says I go on strike, DC says okay fine. There's a Filipino artist over there who doesn't really care about your strike, and I'm going to pay him less than I'm paying you, and he's going to come draw Batman. So 
Um, so unions unions work when you can be unified like that. But that, right. I don't, but I that's think... also with that right there though that with that in tandem with contracts would keep them from going to the Filipino guy. And, yeah. and for the record, when we say Filipino guy, what we're speaking of is somebody from a, a different background that may not need. Well, I'm just mean international artist, international. right? Right, yeah. right. I'm just using it based off of what his example was. Of course, no, yeah. no, I'm just saying, I'm saying for, for everybody's because benefit. Those, so they won't think we're being racist they, to say, yeah. All, yeah. All, all the creators, no matter where they're at, deserve to be protected and yeah. paid accordingly. Well, 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 he, just he, because he, they live in a different country mm-hmm. and maybe the cost of living is a little bit cheaper or the it doesn't size up to the dollar the way it is. So it's, you know, $5. Brazilians are real popular right now, I, I think, as far as, as, as cheap, cheap comic labor. And, and that's right. not a, and that's, that's just, a, that's not a judgmental thing. It's just that, Hey, these guys don't need as much money. So they're like, okay, yeah, I'll draw, I'll draw comic pages for you at a much less, a much lower rate. Right. But let's, but let's really look at it. I mean, if this is what the pay is here in the States, mm-hmm. then it should be the pay for anybody who does the work for a company here in the states, that 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 is the problem, though, mm-hmm. John. Is that sometimes that is the case? The pay for yeah. somebody in a in a lower income country is the right. payment for somebody that is stateside. You know, right? And right. I, and I'll say what the what kind of the the elephant in the room is this, and nobody talks about this is everybody's trying to change what the restaurants cooking, but you're not working in the restaurants. So you, it's when we when we right. say Marvel should change this, DC should change this. Mm-hmm. What nobody's saying is, well, why don't you make your own damn comic book company? Right. Because I don't want to. I just like to draw. I just like to write. I don't want to deal with accounting. I don't want to deal with payroll. Right. That, 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 that's something, that's a conversation mm-hmm. that I think needs to happen more because it is within the realm of possibility. It's just not what everybody wants to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Infrafan says, geez, how hard is it to do the right thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and this is talking uh, when we were talking about um, uh, corporations shifting uh, and, and changing kind of what they're doing. He says, uh, I think that's why the only creative energy we get uh, is in redoing reinvented character stories instead of getting new material. Obviously, this is uh, in, in uh, reference yeah, that's to... That's pretty much what Hickman did with the whole X-Men books. Yeah, just, just retook. You know, again... Like, really, we got another Inferno? And and again, you know, I, I think some of it is, you know, the, these uh, these creative writers they go there and they're like, you know, I've got this great idea for this character. I'm not going to give it to Marvel because I don't own it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bring Magneto back for the X Men because you know he's Magneto, and I'm gonna take this cool concept that I created and I'm gonna go to Image with it, right? Yeah. Because then they then they control it. Then they then they have it all, right? Or I'm just gonna release it on Kickstarter. Or I'm going to release it on, oh, I'm going to on Kickstarter. I mean, it's, it's something that's not Marvel and DC, something that, that they own themselves. Um, Stephen Brown says they want to make money off of other people's ideas, but they don't want to compensate them for their efforts. And, and, and I would agree with that because this goes back for me. This goes back to the whole corporation thing. Right. I, I just I'm not if I like the product. Or, you know, someone says, oh, what Walmart, Walmart, Walmart. And I'm like, you know, here's the thing. I shop at Walmart because it's easy and it's convenient. Um, do they have, uh, you know, practices that we don't like? I don't, I don't do enough research, but they're a corporation. So probably, uh, you know, because I don't like how powerful corporations tend to be. Um, and, 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 you know, if you, 
if you just think about it, right? If you just if you disagree, if you're working for Marvel and DC, again, this just goes kind of back to the unions. If you're working for Marvel and DC and you don't like something, well, okay, you can quit. I'll find someone else to do the work. I mean, that's that's just the way it is. And I'm not saying it's the right thing, and obviously I'm saying it's not the right thing, but uh Wabba says the artist unions never work. Uh, never work. There's always someone eager and hungry to break in. A union would have to tie in some contract to the companies where they can't do that. And I think that's kind of what uh, John was getting at a little bit, is it that um, it has to be something within the corporate that says you can't go and hire somebody else for... for An example would be like electricians. You have electrician unions and then you have freelance electricians who obviously do it cheaper than the unions will. Mm -hmm. But the unions have contracts with companies that sit, that sit there and state that they have to do certain jump through certain hoops, and and, and that the work has to go to those unions first before they could ever consider going to a freelancer that's cheaper. Yeah, sure. And and if, if I can chime in, I think you know one of the things too is let let's not forget. I mean, we all know it, but. But what the image guys did back in the 90s, oh yeah, the fact that they did it when they were on the top, not when they were on the decline, but when they did have the most to lose yeah. and the most to gain, which is usually how it goes, right? At right. The time, right? But that, <laughs> yeah. that's an example of, of kind of taking the fate in, in, in their own hands, you know, um, and, and striking out on their own. You know, um, I think that's that that's really important. You know, we acknowledge it. We know that they did that. But. It's huge because well, and also nudge at another company and be like, "Hey, can y'all help us out of here on this first uh, first round?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, definitely. And and I'm 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 so happy to be like have a. T I still remember I'm so happy to be such a tiny window in the history because I was just a kid, so I didn't know all the things that were going on in the background. So I went to a convention oh, yeah. where Todd McFarlane was there, and you got to love Todd McFarlane. And I remember two things about his panel, which were hilarious. The four, the first one was. It was at the big height of all the chromium covers, and he took Bloodshot issue number one, the beautiful Barry Windsor Smith full, full cover. And he pulled it up. This is how he started his panel. He goes, hey, everybody, you see this? And then he just ripped the full cover off, threw it into the audience, and he goes, would you still buy this book if this cover wasn't on here? He goes, that's the challenge I'm asking all you guys. Are you reading your comics, or are you just buying them for these stupid covers? It's about as rock and roll as they come. And then, but then at the end, I didn't know that they were only going to be with Malibu for a short time. And he goes, he says, "Yeah, do you guys like Amish books?" Everybody's like, "Yeah." He goes, "And we're leaving Malibu next month." And I was, "What?" <laughs> oh, you didn't, didn't know, know it then? No, I didn't. Oh. Know, you know, I, I know that yeah. was going to happen. But you know, yeah, Malibu definitely helped them out. Oh yeah, and, and it was always part of the plan. I know that a lot of people think, oh, you know, they they let, but no, no, no. It was always part of it. Was a that was kind of a deal that that that, that Dave because Dave Dave Olbert knew Rob Liefeld, and so he's like, look, you guys, if you want to bail, we can help you out, mm -hmm. right? We can we can do. You guys make the comics, we can help you out and get it into market while you set up shop, mm -hmm. and so it was always a stem uh, a temporary a, a temporary just a stopgap, right. For, for, for image, uh, as they, as they set up shop. But I actually don't think a lot of people, I, I've actually come knowing y'all and, uh, hearing some of the stories. I don't think anybody really realizes how crucial Malibu being where it was mm -hmm. for the industry, even though it was going through its issues at the time, because if it wasn't for Malibu, we wouldn't have the coloring that we have. Mm -hmm. 
and we wouldn't have Image Comics the way it is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think you're right. Um, I, I think that, you know, of course, you know, Curtis and I talk about this a lot. I, I think Malibu, uh, was definitely a very magical place. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, and I, I think the the four founders, you know, Scott Rosenberg, Dave Ulrich, uh, Tom Mason, and Chris Ulm, uh, were had all kinds of foresight. Uh, in what they did, what they built, they they chose good people. I, I think um, overall, they chose some really good people and 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 made making comic books fun. Uh, I I have never been a morning person in my entire life, but I didn't have I didn't have troubles getting up and, and going to work in the morning at, at Malibu Comics. I did not. I you I'm know I, I did my when it comes to conventions. <laughs> you know, but I, you know, in a, in a normal situation, my alarm goes off at, at six or seven o'clock and I'm like, oh, I don't want to get up. You know, it, it was never that way when I was, I mean, oh, yes, of course, if we were out at a convention or something like, but Malibu used to say, hey, take the next day off, you know. Um, and, and so, but it was never, my alarm went off and I'm like, hey, I get to go and work in comic books today. You know, it was it was it was never it was never a big issue for me. Again, like I said, I, I'm not gonna say never because there are you know always things, um, but it was not something uh, I had a, a problem doing. Uh, Stephen Brown said, "I find making my own comics and drawing for myself than for anyone would be better uh, would be better making my own brand." Hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I think we talked about image, and and I'm glad you guys brought it up because they really had kind of completely. I, I I always think about um, the turtles mm-hmm. because they're the ones for me. They were at the forefront of of the the black and white boom, which got me in. But uh, Curtis, you're absolutely right about about the guys at Image because um, they they had everything to lose and, and everything to gain, and um, you know, but but it all boils down to, and, and for those of you who don't know about the, the the kind of the founding of Image, it really boils down to the fact that uh, Todd Todd McFarlane said he couldn't get a shirt. That's <laughs> 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 right. It's like I did the artwork for that T-shirt. Can I have a shirt? <laughs> right? And he couldn't get a shirt. And, and I think what happened is these guys realized that um, you know they were they were they were doing the hit books and they were making the artwork that they were seeing all over the place because this is you know this is a time when when comics were doing you know gangbusters in the 90s and they were seeing and I think on- Neil was still making some noise in the 80s about creator rights. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He he was. Um and, and so and so they just like, you know, we we made you guys a lot of money. Uh, on these books, and they did. They they made Marvel and DC a lot of money, and and they didn't really want to change the way things work. You know, I you know I, I kind of laugh at times because if you ever hear Todd, you think, you know, Image would never existed if they would just given him a dead gum T shirt with his with Spider Man on it. Yeah, you think about it, right? Here, Todd, here's your T shirt. <laughs> That's and, a what and, if. That's the next sure, one so that you on Disney Plus. Is, is what, what if what if Marvel conceded and gave the gave the image guys what they wanted? Uh, Wubba says uh, about Malibu. He said the sad thing was Bravura not lasting long, 
And for those those who um, aren't aren't aware, Bavura was uh, an imprint at at Malibu, in which um, some some you know some old pro guns came in. Howard Chaikin, Walt Simonson, uh, Dan Brereton, Jim Starlin, uh, Jim Starlin, uh, Marv Wolfman. These came in and did. These guys came in and did their own thing. And uh, Bavura was uh, yeah. Wubba says amazing creators doing great things. And I'll agree. I agree. Those were some some great books. And and, and, and Power and Glory by Howard Shaking, I have to say, was awesome. I mean, I mean, what a great idea. It, and 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 I probably shouldn't have seen the original pages, given the, <laughs> because if you if you saw the original pencils, yeah, not they were pretty uh, pretty raunchy. But but um, but it was basically like a, a superhero Cyrano de Bergerac, where you had a guy who posed as a superhero who didn't have any superpowers. And he was a coward, I think. And then there was a black ops guy that would do everything behind the scenes to make this guy look like a superhero, and he would get all the credit. Yeah, and it was such a cool idea. Yeah, it was a great. Yeah. One. I love that. Um, yeah. yeah. So, how do you guys? If you were to, if you were to predict, right? And I know we can't do that. That's not what we do. But if you guys were to predict, let me see if I can change this. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> if if you were to predict <laughs> how this lawsuit is going to go, um, how the the Steve Ditko lawsuit is going to be, and, and the others, and then how Marvel lawsuit is going to be, what 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 prediction would you make? I'd say forward. going to draw it out as long as they can. I'll, I'd say uh, forward. Settle out of court. And I say set off court because nobody wants to go toe to toe. Very few people want to go toe to toe with Disney as far as being in the legal battles. And secondly, and I hate to say this, unless those people who are from the estate, right, the um, the progeny of these creators actually mm-hmm. care about the creations more than they care about the money and the payday, they'll settle out of court because they'll get what they want, which is the money. Now, if they deeply care about these characters and this intellectual property, right? And wanted to extend for several generations. That's a different thing. I, I heard it said recently that there's this Chinese saying that um, there's there's the cycle of wealth, right? Which is mm-hmm. the first generation creates the wealth, the the first the second generation spends the wealth, and the third generation squanders it. Wow! <laughs> and then the cycle renews, right? Yeah, that's kind of what's going on in the world today. We're in the third generation of a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of things that made America. Is like, oh, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, what Wubba says, uh, Disney will win and screw the creators. Um, Disney has the firepower. Yeah, and yeah. nobody, and it's really hard to match that because it takes those big, it takes those greenbacks to match the firepower. Right, and and, and I think John, you you, you kind of hit on I think part of the problem. You said they'll, they'll draw it out, um, and, and the the problem with drawing it out is that um, it forces it, them to take hush money. It, it doesn't matter to them. They're like, yeah, we can settle this, you know, in ten years. We don't care. But when you're when when it's you, you're like, yeah, I want to settle now, right? So you, you and that takes money. And and the problem is, is that yeah, no, 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 they'll just file it. You know, I don't know, I don't know all the legal stuff, but they'll file an extension, an extension, an extension, and, and uh, you know, and that costs like, money. Hey, we can't make court. Look, can we move the date? Mm-hmm. All those little tricks. Yeah. Copyright law is confusing as it is now because of how many things they've done to change it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's why there's there's you know there's a whole subsection of copyright uh, lawyers. You know, Malibu used to uh, have one on staff. That was uh, okay. Oh, uh, Sorry, uh, we, that's okay. 
uh, Malibu had a uh, Will McGuire who uh, that was his job all day long was to protect the Malibu copyrights. And that's what he did. Uh, he would come, he would occasionally come to us. Hey, I saw this. Should I, should I file something, you know, and, and he would see that he would be looking through the catalogs, order the, the previews, the diamond catalogs. And, and he was, he, he was all about protecting Malibu's uh, uh, content or uh, marks, I think is what they call them. Right. And let's see, I always think I remember Tom, Tom Mason, um, one of the founders of Malibu, his dinosaur for hires line. I don't, well, I don't know if you know the story, but I heard Tom say it several times was at the time we had a Malibu Interactive, which was the video game division. Right. And there was yeah. some argument about Tom getting credit on the dinosaurs for hire game. And so what he did is he made the logo have his name. So, right. it, so it literally, when you see the wording with the font for dinosaurs for hire, it says on top, Tom Mason's. Right. So because that was the official logo. They had to put his name on everything. And I have to say, Tom Mason is like probably one of the wittiest people I've ever met. But he will cut through you like a knife any day of the week. So you just got to be careful around him. He was, but he you was know, very smart that way. Very smart. We used to accuse Tom of uh, going home and sitting down with a notebook, just sitting there thinking, what can I say? Oh, uh, and just coming up with all of these witty responses because – Throughout the day, you would say something, and boom, there's Tom Mason, oh. and and he would just smack you, and you're like, it, it it'd be fun, it's funny, some especially. See, this lets me know me and Tom would get along very well. Oh, oh he, my he, goodness, he put a hurt, you, you put a hurt on all John. Of I love you, man, but I don't know anyone that can that can oh. that can spar on equal footing with. Well, Tom see, Mason. I my <laughs> thing is, is I actually listen to what you're saying in conversations and I pick things out that you say and I save it for later and I throw it right back. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why Scott's not living down the banjo. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. I, I still uh, the worst I heard Tom say was like I think it was my first week of working at Malibu and it was like this it was like a, the first office that I was at was this old was this kind of warehouse industrial thing. And I was in the back filing comic books, but everything was just partitionless. So you could hear clear across the office. Right. And Tom was in the bullpen talking with, and I won't say the person, but it was one of the founders. So you do the math. And the other founder said, hey, I got to go home and feed my dog. And he leaned over to the other guy and he goes, yeah, and he has a pet too. <laughs> yeah. and he was married at the time so you do the math it was it was, it was just brutal just brutal yeah so yeah yeah he uh yeah, me and yeah, tom would have had fun oh man yeah. still have fun yeah yeah he he tom tom absolutely was fun but boy you didn't you didn't want to make him mad uh man i made him mad one time it's funny because i came across i printed a lot of my emails out because this was in a day you know i didn't know what happened so i i came across a, a whole bunch of my malibu emails um and there was something we had talked once before about uh, the one of the holograms or one of the special editions and and i was like hey i'd kind of like to have a copy and um i forget what it was and he was like, you know, basically it was like a, a he put me off a little bit. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I can't remember. I think I was going to send this to somebody. I don't think it was for me. I don't because I, 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 I don't think I would have cared at that point in time. But I can't I can't remember if I was going to send it to one of the creators or whatever. Um, and then, um, you, you know, like, I emailed him like in the next week. And it was like, no, nope, sorry, nothing sent. I emailed him again the next week. You know, sorry, nothing I emailed it again the next week, and then he came back with a scathing response that basically said, 
it's just, uh, is your house in order? When you get your house in order, then you ask me this question. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> now, for those of you don't, who don't know, um, uh, I was the most on-time editor at the company. So, um, so yeah, the fact that he hit me with that made me go, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there are things I still remember clearly. There are things that I cannot repeat over a live broadcast that Tom <laughs> used to say to me. Yeah. John, you would, you would love them too. Yeah. Uh, there, there are things that, uh, I, I can still, I can still hear his voice whispering because Tom would do that. Sometimes somebody would say something and he'd lean over and and then whisper in your ear <laughs> and you would just die laughing. Right. Cause it was funny and, and it was only meant for you and not for anyone else out there. So, um, yeah, he, I don't know how we segued on Tom, but it was, <laughs> I, I think you're, I think you're right. I, I think he was, uh, I think it was brilliant that he put his, his name into that. And it was, and that was basically, a a a, a fight that he could see coming that he was going to, this is a, Hey, this is my creation. I own this. And so if you don't want my name on it. I'm going to build it into the logo. <laughs> genius. Sheer genius. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Brown said, uh, though, I wouldn't mind creating comics for someone else as long as I'm either compensated or keep the rights to my creations. Yeah. And, and again, I think that's where, um, where a lot of folks uh, fall in when it comes to uh, kind of a Marvel and DC. Uh, when you find that folks that want to work for Marvel and DC, DC generally it's for the money. Um, they're the ones who can pay the, the wages. They're the ones who pay the rates. Although I know today they're not near as much as what they were in the nineties. Uh, but still they're, they're the big show. So if you want to make money, if you want a, a career in comics, then that's usually who you're going to shoot for. You're going to shoot for Marvel and DC because then that's where you you can get money. So, um, so know, my I prediction, have, I have a, I have a feeling about uh, Malibu 2.0, aka Silverline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope that's a good feeling. It may be fart, but it, uh, it, <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> no, it's a good feeling. Uh, you know, one of one of the things. Uh, speaking of that, one of the things I noticed. Um, at uh, Daytona Beach Comic Con is that uh, the t-shirts work. Uh, we, um, you're selling you know, shirts or, or, or you mean just, no, no, no. Uh, we, we all wore them. And so th there was recognition around there. Yeah, Travis Gibbs shows up. Hey, Travis, what's going on, man? Uh, Travis says, I just love those characters. That's why I would want to write them, uh, not the money. And you know what? Uh, it's funny that you say that, Travis, because in my class, one of the things I say is there's generally two reasons that people want to work for Marvel or DC. One of them is money, and the other, uh, uh, the other is sentimentality. Yeah. And I can't tell you the number of times, uh, and, and Travis didn't do this, uh, I can't tell you the number of times that uh, people will come to me and say, hey, I'd like to write the ferret or whatever, uh, and you don't have to pay me any money. I just love the character and I want to write with it. And I'm like, well, what? The, don't do that. <laughs> no, this is a job and we sell them and make money, you know, but there is a lot of that, you know, uh, well, um, sometimes as a, as a creator, I will, I will, I will say this, you get to a desperation to where it gets the, the, the lake gets kind of dry. Yeah. And you're like, I've yeah. got to figure out something to kind of get eyes back on me. 
Right. Yeah. Hey, Travis, if you're still there, uh, uh, I think you are. Travis is uh, currently running a uh, crowdfunder. Oh, cool. uh, Travis, pop your link in to um, uh, to the comments so that folks can uh, can go, because I, if I, I, I apologize and I'm not fast enough on my computer to run and get it. But I think you've got uh, I think you're down to like your last two days, aren't you? Um, if I remember correctly, I think uh, Kalis and um, and boy, I'm 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 sorry, Travis. Travis is gonna smack me the next time he sees me. I cannot think of the name of it uh, right off the top of my head. Um, uh, anyway, Travis, if you're still there, pop the link into uh, into the comments. And uh, folks, you, you, if he does this, he's on YouTube. Uh, yeah, you know, Travis, he's got 33 hours left. So, uh, so well, back Travis, to Kickstarter. Yeah, Travis, uh, put your put your link there. You guys should go look. Uh, uh, he was chasing the last uh, update I saw. He was chasing 200 backers, which is phenomenal. So, uh, 33 hours left. That's less than um, that's less than two days. So, you guys need to go uh, check out Travis's. Uh, 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 it's called expired. Thank you. I, I knew it. I backed it. Um, uh, 33 hours. Uh, so, here's the one thing I can say uh, about Travis. You guys. Um, you, you hear us talk about, I know if you've watched any of our videos that we do for our Kickstarters, we, we talk about this in this day of unfulfilled uh, crowdfunders. Travis is not one of those guys. You, you're going to back Travis's book. You're going to get it. And um, that's that's one of the, the reasons that uh, I, I am not afraid to tell you guys, go back Travis's uh, Kickstarter because because uh, he's going to deliver. So. Um, so Travis put the link. I don't see it there yet. So go put the link and make sure you do that uh, so that the folks will know. And um, you guys go check out Travis's. It's got 33 hours left. So showing up late is Aaron. And I know why Aaron showed up. Aaron says, I got something I just got to say. I just got to no, say No, no, no. I actually just, <laughs> I tried to, to go find some place. I was supposed to meet up with these other artists and go drawing and, and I couldn't find it. So I was like, oh, I have nothing to do. I guess I'll just talk to you guys. Live on there. Oh, oh, hey, hey. Oh, <laughs> the power. That's right. I have to obey my lord. Uh, are you talking about? I think you guys have been talking about the Steve Ditko thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Travis said he sent the link, but it needs to be approved on Ditko. So, Aaron, uh, you, you chime in here, and I'm going to see if I can't get his link approved. Uh, Travis, send it to me on uh, on uh, uh, Facebook Messenger too, and I'll, I'll try to get it up here. Go ahead, Aaron. I don't know. I, I mean, I obviously, I when I read the Steve, I I don't think anything will come out of it. I mean, it'd be kind of cool. If Steve Titko family got the rights back or something compensated for Spider Man, but I seriously doubt that will happen. Um, it's kind of unfortunate. I'm sure they'll just make like a settlement or pay out a settlement, and that'll be it. Um. But I don't know. And Marvel and DC still do work for hire, don't they? They don't. Yeah. 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 So I wonder. Yeah. I don't know. There was something. What was? Did you guys see this? Something about somebody fighting for the Avengers, like Sony or Marvel's fighting for Avenger characters. I besides just the Steve Ditko, there was another story. I saw a headline, but I didn't get a chance to read the article. Does that sound familiar? Maybe I'm missing some. Maybe that was a Steve Ditko story. I think that the Steve Ditko thing is, is several several creators. Are, are, and Disney turns okay. around and says, "Okay, Steve Ditko's family is going to come do this to us." Almost like 
Y'all are going to disrespect us? Okay. Yeah. We're going to make sure that not just you, but all these other folks are put in line before they get an idea because of you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. They tried to like step- the mouse mafia. <laughs> it's, you know, I, you know, the fun, I guess the thing I always ask if, if Steve Ditko really did care about this during his life, you think he would have fought for it more during his, when he was alive. It seems a little weird that the family after the fact is fighting for these rights. You would think that, like, in other words, that it's really matter to Steve Ditko because it seemed like he kind of went off and did his own thing. When did he pass away? Steve Ditko passed away, like, was it two years ago? It's been fairly recently, yeah. Yeah. Travis, I got your link up on on, uh, Twitter. Shoot. Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. So uh, you guys go, go check that out. Steve Ditko died June 29, 2018. So yeah, it wasn't too too yeah. long. Ago. I mean, but I I never I've heard. Noticed, I've also noticed that there's you know there's been a lot of times when like uh, older people just be like, well, it's too late to do anything about it now, and I'm just too old to deal with it. They're just waiting. So out I can see that. Yeah. Well, and I can also see a, a, a I I can also see a frustration level at some point in time. Um, when you get knocked down uh, repeatedly, yeah, you just you decide I'm not going to hit that giant anymore, right? It, right? When when you when you knock at the giant at the giant and it, the giant squashes you every time, uh, there does come a time when you just say, you know what, I, I I'm 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 not going to hit that giant anymore. Um, yeah. And the sad thing about Disney is, even if they say you win and he gets it. They will just drain your bank account with appeals. They'll just keep right. doing appeals to get you back. They, it, it to Disney, it doesn't matter if they win or not because they will destroy you financially, especially if you're a small creator. It but, sucks, but that's their power. Well, and I, I think I think the, the the real thing is the court of public opinion, right? And that may be very well what they're yeah. doing. The more they get in the press, and if they drag Disney's name through the mud, that's really the only, the leverage that they have. It's not actually in the court. It's in the court of public opinion. And if that's their goal and they drag it out and make enough bad news, they might be able to get more out of Disney than they did originally. But but do you think but this is more <laughs> strange enough? I mean, do you think this is more about dragging Disney's name or Marvel's name? Because, I mean, this deal and the stuff happened well before Disney bought With Marvel. Marvel, yeah. Well, it, I, don't, so, I think I think to them it doesn't matter, right? It's it's yeah. Well, it's well, so matter. so yeah, yeah. Marvel is Disney now, right? I mean, right. Yeah, they're one of the so, same now. And, yeah. And, I I don't know. I mean, I hope I would love it. I mean, I love it all the creators. I mean, Sherry and uh, was it Shegel and I can't remember the guys. Macy, yeah. They they finally didn't yeah. they win some sort of rights or whatever. Um, they, had, they got uh, something. Man. They got insurance, right? They actually got medical insurance finally. Or something. Yeah, and yeah. when I think, I think towards the end of their life, uh, DC was paying them something like twenty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. Still, so, with the amount of money they made off Superman, that's that's well, really nothing. And and yeah. I think that's it. That was really you know, and I think a lot of people look at it and say, well, that's kind of chump change for for you know all the stuff, right. that, all the money that you guys made on that. Um, yeah, you know, there's but Disney weird- would have what. DC would have went under if they paid them what was a lot what they needed to at the time. Even if they paid them forty thousand dollars a year, DC wouldn't have gone under. Well, so so yes and no. Yeah. Um, if you're so here, 
So here's where we have to be specific with our language. The legal portion yeah. comes out. <laughs> DC goes under or Warner Brothers. Yeah. Um, DC and Warner Brothers are, are two different entities. Therefore, for a short period of time, DC had to self-fund. Now, that didn't last very long, I don't think, because DC couldn't self-fund. Yeah. Right? They 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 could not make the money off of their comic books, so their Warner's had to step in. So I, I think if 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 DC Comics had to pay that, I don't think that they 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 could have done that. But if Warner Brothers had to, then that's a different thing because that's where so so a lot of creator agreements, um a lot of creator agreements do not cover comic books. So let, let's let's go on a, a, a hypothetical here, okay? So Curtis says, um, I've got Shadow Ghost. Uh, I'm going to sign over all my rights to, to Silverline, but I'm going to get a, a, a good creator rights deal with this, okay? All right. So what 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 would happen, and what most creators look for is that hey, I want to make money. Uh, you know, when you make your billion dollar movie, I want money from that. When you make the toys, when you make the cartoons, when you make the shirts, when you make all this stuff that's going to make more money than the comic book, I want my share of it. Okay, that's what most creators do. Now there's the idea. Okay, well then the comic book exists too. Curtis says, well I don't really want to do. I've told my shadow story. I don't really want to do anything with it anymore. You go ahead. Generally, and in and in no instant have I ever heard about does the creator get money for the comic book. Part of the reason for this is comic books just don't make enough money. It's like right. you know, because they're gonna say, Look, we're publishing this comic book, we're not selling enough comics to still pay you your uh, your royalty. We'll just not we'll just not publish it because we can't afford it, right? And so right. so generally the deals don't cover comic books, but they cover everything else right yeah does that make sense at all yeah okay. because there's no i see john looking at me like what it's well, most like yeah because like well i mean i think marvel and dc I mean, majority of the money at marvel and dc make now are off merchandise not even the movies mostly probably merchandise i right. would assume um the comics are i mean it started at the comics that's how they got popular but the money making portion of that is so nil as to be I think they still publish the comics because that's kind of like tradition and it kind of keeps it going. But I mean, Marvel and DC are the less copyrights. Yeah. The less companies than brands that are owned by these companies. I mean, they're still companies, but they're more, they're, they're brands. I mean, it's like a company. I mean, it's like if DC offices, like say folded, the DC brand would still be owned by Warner Brothers to do with what they want. They just right. won't be making comics with for, it. For a period of time, anyway. For a period of time, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's kind of the unfortunate thing is most people, when they say, like, well, there's no money to be made in comics. Well, Marvel and DC, they make money. I'm like, yeah, everything else. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Well, so. well, and two, you got to think yeah, um, Marvel and DC are recognizable characters. Yes. Um, they don't make a, if, if you look at sales figures, they really, they're not, they're, I'm wondering how they stay afloat right now because they're just not selling enough. But also, when you think about Marvel and DC making money, we think about them in the traditional, uh, excuse me, in the pre- uh, direct market age when they right. you had a uh, newsstand distribution and they really did sell with the, in the hundreds of thousands, right? Because they would print, you know, 500,000 copies, send them all out nationwide. And that's when you found them on, on, uh, you know, at, at 
uh, grocery stores. You found them at convenience stores, 7-Elevens, Quick Stops, you know, all those guys. And that's where we bought them off, off of racks, right? And so that's where they they made a lot of their money because those were super cheap to print. Obviously, they were in newsprint. And, um, you know, so they don't do that, man, right? And the people have talked about, you know, have talked about putting comics back into newsstands or whatever. I I see that as, as problem is possible. where. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's one of these things like kids. Our kids want to go to want buy comics as they're going through the aisle. Maybe, maybe not. There's so many other things vying for kids' attention: games, movies. I mean, they have. Yeah. I mean, they're on the tablet. The chance of them seeing a comic book and wanting to buy it has substantially dropped. And a lot of the creators are not going to buy it from a store. They want to go to a comic store where they can get it. You know bagged and boarded or whatever so i i do think in a way those days of selling them just you know has kind of gone i mean it'd be maybe maybe put it in and people get into them i mean the thing is we've got to get kids in the comics to create new readers and this is something that's been talked about many a time right. it's become such a niche collectible market that's like yeah well comics are healthy as long as i mean as long as we're alive people still like right comics, but yeah when the new generation comes up they they just may not care Unfortunately, yeah. it just may not, and comics may be the dem- maybe a generational thing where it was just you know it was fun while it lasted, out. right? Yeah, um, yeah. You, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about um, which you know, still talking about contracts and stuff like that. So you guys probably heard me tell the story when I first started here at uh, you know I teach at Full Sail, and when I first started here, um, I won't name drop yet because he really hasn't given me the the okay to do so there was a there was a a, a friend curtis you'll figure it out real quick there's a, a a friend of mine who um is a top batman artist right uh he hasn't done comics in in, in years but if, if certainly at one point in time he was easily a top 10 batman artist and he and i have stayed in contact over the years and about 10 years ago when i first started i said hey let's let's uh, do a comic and uh so we put together so he, he said okay on, on on two conditions right uh, he was like, number one, you come up with a story I like. Number two, you find someone to pay me my rates. And uh, so obviously I, I, ha- I had to do the first thing first. And so I got a story that, that he liked uh, finally. And then I started uh, shopping it around and he came up with, you know, a, 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 a budget. And, uh, and of course we had not just for him, but we included, you know, things like coloring and lettering. And, and we kind of a total of about yeah. this. This was to do all all the issues like, you know, uh, four, four issues. So you're looking at 80, what, 88 pages. Right. So the, the number was about thirty thousand dollars. And so I was kind of, you know, uh, kind of moaning the fact in a faculty meeting one time. And somebody said, well, how much do you need? And I said, well, I need like thirty thousand dollars. And they laughed. Every one of them at the table laughed. And I'm like, why is that so funny? Someone, someone said, well, "That's our catering budget." Wow, wow! And and they're they're all in film, right? Mm. So, and I'm yeah. like, "You're making films, and your catering budget is what I need to make a comic book." Yeah, and this is how, and and I think people forget this sometimes how how small the comic book industry is, and yeah. so you know, and and this goes the, all of this circles back around to the idea of when you make these agreements. And this is why um, the the, the participation agreements don't include comics because comics just don't sell enough to also pay the original creator of that that thing. But when you make T-shirts and posters and all this kind of stuff, those that, that's where the money comes in. And so that's where people want the subsidiary rights for the merchandising, right? Yeah. That's why so. Lucas was uh, smart in that way with Star Wars. Yeah. When he kept the merchandising, yeah. which I just thought he was nuts, but... You know, 
touche yeah. it took off and so he <laughs> got it um yeah, yeah i mean so, so i'm wondering think- if uh, I don't, i'm not sure who else to, uh, still left listings but if you guys have questions about creator rights uh we're we're, we're running down to our, our final minutes here uh pop one up there and we'll try to try our best to answer it um but yeah but definitely because there's a shift from creating comics to create comics to creating comics to create IP, right? Right. That, oh, that, yes. that, 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 that is the age that is the age that we lived in. But the problem is you can't create IP unless you know how to create a good comic. So that, <laughs> right. that, that, that's 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 kind of the filtering that we're seeing is, is, yeah. is that you know? yeah. So yeah. That's the thing that's so hard. And it's I mean, how do you guys sit with the idea of comic books being basically IP farms? I'm not a big fan. I'm not I, a big fan. Do you think it's almost a necessary way to survive? But in the, in the I, industry, I, I think I think at the end of the day, it's it's about telling the story. Yeah. And stories get told different ways. And if the starting ground is a comic book and a good comic book, that's great. But that's one audience. And if you can expand that theme intact to other things, then that's great too. You know. Right. But I think the one thing I, time and time again, talking with Roland is. It still got to be a good. It has to start the right way. It still has to be a good comic book. It still has to be a good story. Or what was the the whole point? I think so many people jump the yeah. gun, and and well, it's hear, so obvious, you know. I hear so many of these companies will buy IPs. I mean, well, I guess certain people like Miller stuff before the comics even done. They'll yeah. they'll license out the IP whether the comic does well or not. Um, but I mean, do you, think, you know, it's funny. Like Mark Millar, I mean, he he kind of survived by cementing his properties in the in hollywood and stuff more and more he straddled that line and uh i mean maybe that is i mean the funny thing is i would love to you know like companies like you know just make money off comics or whatever do you think it would be easier i know this sounds weird easier to make comics if the big two weren't weren't here which we've asked this question many a time or do you think that would create you know, a chance for more people to be seen because I mean, even when I I've talked like a lot of times when we talk on and listen to like YouTube podcasts and people talk about comics, like they just talk about DC and Marvel. It's like there's just nothing else beyond that, and I'm just like, and, and I, I'm just like these people must know there's other beyond it. But I just th- there's so much airtime given the DC and Marvel, and it's like yeah, you can give so much airtime to like what DC and Marvel what fifty percent. I mean, there's like even there's like tons of other comics they just never get mentioned and maybe i'm watching the wrong youtube channels i don't know it sounds never, to me like you are <laughs> maybe i am i just it's like every time i listen to these guys they just talk about marvel and dc you know, and i'm just like it's 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 likely you know what you always always say about the the television right change the channel dude yeah yeah i, I try to find them there, there's a few that that talk about it but the yeah, indies are getting bigger and bigger yeah and in, in, in the scope of the amount of time spent talking to them and it, I fear that comic shops are going to run into more and more issues before they actually go. Wait, we really need to really embrace the the independence. Well, I, I think we're I think we're on the cusp of that. I, I think we are are literally on on the the edge of figuring out what's going to happen. Uh, with all the distribution changes, you know, we uh, we talked about yeah. the 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 penguin, uh, the penguin, penguin deal recently. Yeah. yeah. So well, IDW um, just went the random penguin house. So I I think I think we're on the cusp of seeing some of changes and seeing, you know, uh, if uh, if comic shops can survive as a comic shop 
or if they're going to have to be a, a toy shop or, you yeah, know, yeah. are they going to change? Well, a lot of them are already kind of like that yep. as it is. Right. And comics are just kind of an afterthought. And stuff and... mm-hmm. It's weird. I talked to a guy, uh, I met a, a, an old gentleman I used to work with at Barnes and Noble when he, he would have me come there and do signings and stuff. And I asked him how the book industry's doing. He's like, actually they, they're doing better bookstores and stuff are doing better through the pandemic because, People, People got more time. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, it, it, it's historically, um, and I remember I learned, this is something I learned at, at, at Malibu. Historically, entertainment does better during non economic times. Yeah. So, because. <laughs> People don't, people don't have you know anything else to do, so they go yeah. to be entertained. Stephen Brown says, soon I'm going to be starting my own YouTube channel to help promote my comics and posters and other stuff and to show artwork. Any advice on it? You guys have any 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 advice? And it's funny. I pretty much hang out with you guys on YouTube because I've tried to figure this out. I mean, I had a friend, and, and, and please don't take this the wrong way, Stephen. This is not. This is my friend to me. I said, well, I'd like to start a YouTube channel. He's like, yeah, but who'd watch it? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, and yeah, he's like, and he wasn't trying to be mean. Ow. He was just no, like, was, if, you, yeah. if you're not, if you can't get people to read your comic online, how are they going to match up and show up and watch your YouTube channel? I'm like, that's, that's a good point. Like, yeah. you know, if you build your audience by having them read the book, then they'll come watch your YouTube channel. And it was always the, the hardest thing. The one thing I would, the advice that I would give. Why I is that only going to be not, one way street? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I would assume with the advice, do something a little different. I've seen people try to do, and I have no idea, just production values, a way they, you know, something unique. I mean, I know there's guys that sit there and read old comics, like I think Kayfabe, and I don't remember the other guy. They just sit there and look at old comics, and they're comic creators, and they talk about stuff, but they've been doing it for years, so they've built their audience like like six, right. seven years. I mean, they've been doing it a long time. Um yeah. So, I mean, I beyond that, I've often thought about my format because I'm like, well, I can get on and draw and stuff or whatever, but it's like there's, there's so many channels where people draw. So I'm, I'm always, to me, I'm trying to think of something different. And I don't have any answers. I hang out with these guys because I just assume they have all the answers. <laughs> I mean, look at Curtis. He obviously, he's not sharing them with me, but he has all the answers. Yeah. Exactly. He, he told them all before you got on. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's like, Aaron's coming. I'm going to give all the, all the answers to the test before Aaron gets here. Before I came on, too, so don't. <laughs> yeah. But says I do comics for comics. If something I ever did catches, I hope whoever I did it for would acknowledge it. But the creation uh, of I of just IPs is dumb. Yeah. And uh, I, I I would agree one hundred percent. You think if the story Hollywood. does, well, if you write a comic and a good story, then that would sell mm-hmm. the IP or whatever instead of just. Well, Hollywood right now is because they went so many years of thinking. Well, comic book movies won't make money. Comic book movies won't make money. Yeah. You know, comic book movies won't make money. And then suddenly comic book movies make money, and so they go with the trend. Mm-hmm. And that's what Hollywood's always done. Mm-hmm. Oh, we need to start buying up, you know, hot IPs so we can get ahead of the curve and make these movies and we can right. make our money while it's still hot. Right. My, I guess my question would be, how much money do other like comic book movies that are not part of DC and Marvel do? And this I don't know. Like uh, I know Hellboy did well, but like how what other movies the are? The Mask did like, well. Yeah. Yeah, the Mask uh, did well. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think uh, I think enough of them have done well. Done pretty well. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you think about Netflix show Warrior Nun did really well. The well enough oh, to yeah. get a second season. Uh, Raising Dion is based off of a, a comic. Yeah. It did, did well enough to get a second season. 
Uh, same for uh, oh the uh, Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, and so also uh, Lock and Key, right? All these are based on on comics, and they've done yeah. well enough to 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 warrant a second season. Because if they didn't, obviously they would we wouldn't be having a second season for them. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I hope, yeah, so yeah, I hope there's more because that always kind of like, I mean, would I ever want to see my comics as an IP? I mean, if it meant like financially, if you had to survive by turning something in mind into a movie or whatever, I don't, I mean, I would like to have some control. Of course, I don't know how much that really flies. I've read many yeah. stories for Hollywood kind of crushes your dreams. Oh, but if I, sometime, sometime we'll, we're going to, we'll talk about what they did to Cat and Mouse. Yeah. Uh, the first time they uh, the first time they optioned it in in the early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Cur- Curtis knows all about that. Yeah. yeah it, it was. It, it's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Stephen yeah, Stephen Brown said, "I uh, I think Marvel and DC are losing their fans to indie creators. Yeah. Comics uh, are still all are still always, uh, but they will still always be around because someone is always going to make their own stories. Yeah. Uh, so, indie too. comics." Yeah, I mean, you know, we've had indie comics for a long time, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that uh, I don't think indie comics are going away. And you know, I, actually, I, I've said it before on here. I say it in my class. I think we are in a, in in a current, and obviously, it you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So it's easy for us to say now. It's, ask us again in five years. Yeah. But I think we're in a current indie revolution. I, I think that we're 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 seeing. Um, I think we're seeing people. Uh, 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 drift to indie comics because they're like, yeah. I've seen Spider Man on the big screen, I've seen Thor on the big screen. I don't right. need his comics, right? Uh, and the other thing is, that you go to the you go to the comic shops and and you go to pick up, you know, Spider Man or Iron Man, and you're like, wait, I don't reckon this is not Tony Stark. I don't oh, yeah, know yeah. This they've is, had that know? problem a lot. Yeah. yeah, so so the comics don't reflect what's on the on the screen, and so they're not getting any buyers. So I think, I think it it kind of goes back to and. I kind of learned this in martial arts schools. They said you want to have the, the third location or the third home. In other words, in your day, you have your home, you have your workplace. And then if you're lucky, you have a third place that you like to go, whether it's a bar, whether it's a bookstore, whatever. And for a lot of us that were kind of shut-ins growing up or creative people or introspective people, it was comic books, right? Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was your third place where you went to every day. That's where you felt safe. That's where you felt understood. That's where you enjoyed yourself. And that's missing from a lot of not just comic books, but entertainment. They've yeah. lost that. They've lost that. And so, and, and it, it's that one thing. And that's what, what Stan Lee knew with, with, with how to engage with fans. He made people feel like they were in the Marvel bullpen. That they right. were and I think, you know, for Steven, Steven Brown, you're asking about that. It's all about, it sounds corny, but engaging with people. Right. The community. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people who are making the biggest strides in independent right now, and you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah have created a community, right, wrong, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. You think about their politics, their opinion. Yeah. They've created a community and a home for people that people go to. And once you have that, you have your loyal brand. That's Easier right. than them, but that's the idea. Yeah. You yeah. Like you, they're at home, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he goes on to say, uh, I might have a way to uh, stand out more, get a feel on what I need to do. You know, the only thing about it is, you know, you've – Nike says just do it, and uh, yeah. I agree with that. Is that the only way you're going to find out is if you just do it? Uh, yeah. Thomas Romanti says, "Great to see y'all. Hope to be back on soon." Uh, Tommy, enjoy your trip, um, and hopefully, I soon. I think that won't be next week. I think he said he's going to be traveling next uh, Sunday as well, so probably won't be next week that we'll see Tommy, but the uh, the week after that. So, um, 
So enjoy your safe travels, Tommy. Uh, we will talk about you while you're gone. Uh, and we have come to the end of our broadcast, you guys. All right. And with that, here's the bumper and we go. Thank you for listening to the Silverline Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.